This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number 15, Steve Young. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Jim talks with NFL Hall of Famer and three-time Super Bowl champion, Steve Young. I tell a great story about throwing interceptions and and wanting immediately to tell all the mitigating circumstances that led to this horrible thing that I just did because it's not like I meant to do it. Hmm. And it's not like I did it on, you know, I like wanted to ruin the day. But people want to know why. And so you want to explain it. And and there's this, as the story goes on, I tell them basically, look, I learned through about 60 interceptions that the, what they, what everyone wants to hear at that moment is it, it, I'm, I'm responsible. I, I did that. I messed it up. And, uh, and it doesn't matter all the circumstances and all the things that happened, the sun in my eye and the ball slipped or you turned the wrong way or you didn't block your guy or just at some level it's, I had it in my hands and it's now in their hands and it's my responsibility. Steve shares key insights about leadership, maturity and responsibility on the field, supporting and inspiring teammates as a player and as a parent and the life lessons he drew from sports, which have led to a varied and successful career after professional football. Steve, I want to start off by introducing you to our audience. Steve Young went to high school in Connecticut at Greenwich. His senior year, he co-captained three teams, the football, basketball, and baseball teams. In two years as starting varsity quarterback, he ran for nearly 2,000 yards in their option offense, played his college football at Brigham Young, where his senior year he completed 71.3% of his passes, an NCAA single-season record. He received the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback Award, which recognizes the nation's best collegiate quarterback and finished second in Heisman Trophy voting. Steve's professional career started in the United States Football League in 1984, playing for the Los Angeles Express. In 1985, he signed with NFL's Tampa Bay Buccaneers and was traded to the San Francisco 49ers in 87. In 92, he won his first NFL Most Valuable Player Award, leading the league in touchdown passes and passer rating. His 1994 season culminated with a Super Bowl win in which he threw six touchdown passes. He was named the Super Bowl MVP and NFL MVP that season. He retired in 1999 and was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in 2005. Steve's post-football career has included business, philanthropic, and broadcasting ventures. Steve lives in Palo Alto, California with his wife and four kids. Steve, thanks for joining us. That was my mom's version of the introduction. Uh, nice job. I, uh, I, I'm glad to know that I did so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Steve, let's, let's go back to high school. Um, in high school, you were used to running the football in an option offense, and then you went to BYU, which had a pass-oriented offense. Uh, what was that adjustment like for a young, young person who had success in one system and try, try to move to another? Well, I, I guess I had, the, I had the blessing of having some legs that I could use, and uh, and I didn't know that I really had an arm at that time when I was in high school. No one really asked me about it. I didn't, I didn't really know how to throw the football very well, to be honest with you. There's a technique to throwing the football that doesn't spin it out of your hands. Um, people that spin it out of their hands never are very accurate or very strong. 
and I didn't know the other technique. No one ever taught me it. So in high school, I just didn't thrive in that, uh, mostly because I didn't have the technique. Um, when I got to college, uh, some way I was <laughs> recruited as a quarterback. I don't know how. Uh, I, I learned how to throw a football. And like like anything that you skill that you get that you kind of really love and have a passion for and you're really good at, that just blossomed from there. So um, that kind of explains the, the, the strange uh, history as far as offensive football for me. Well, you know, we, we talk with young athletes about the importance of having a teachable spirit that, you know, your coach may be yelling at you, and we don't like coaches to do that, but sometimes they do or things can can go badly. But if you have a teachable spirit, you're going to soak up whatever you can to make yourself better. It seems like that's what you did. Well, I think that you there's humility to it, you know. Um, uh, I never thought for a second, oh, my coach failed me by not teaching me to throw the football. Um, I don't, I just don't think in terms of that. I look at what's in front of me and I have the responsibility of what I'm being taught. And, um, in some ways I was successful because I did what the coach told me to do, you know, and that I did it really well. And I figured if I thrived at all, you know, whatever I was doing at that moment, if I was thriving, that good things would come rather than trying to look beyond what, you know, so many people at parents I talk to now, I don't like this coach and this guy's not good for my son and this one's not great and I need to find a better one and the one down the street is better and I you know, it's like, I'm sure that's true I'm sure that's the case, but I think in some ways kind of taking what's in front of you and attacking it and really succeeding through it, uh, there's something, there's some great benefit there. Yeah, I think often parents prevent their kids from seeing those kind of problems as challenges um, and that's that's a shame. Yeah, I agree. I think I've, even even today, I remind myself that uh, something that might be look like might look like a uh, real problem or difficulty uh, is actually an opportunity, and it's a, a nice thing to kind of have go through your mind. There are some things that that you should uh, look at as a problem and go fix them, but uh, a lot of times, if you take the lens and show it as a possible opportunity, you, you might find something in there. Yeah, that's great. You know, when you joined the 49ers, uh, first few seasons, you were a backup to Joe Montana. Um, a lot of kids get frustrated <clears throat> when they're backups uh, to somebody else on the team. Um, what advice would you ha- have for a youth athlete who's in a backup role? Well, I took two. It was a two-pronged attack. <laughs> One, I didn't like it. It wasn't what I wanted to do. Um and uh, I wanted to be the starter, and that was what I thought I would be. Um, and so I, I had a spirit uh, about how everything that I went about was that I, this is, I'm doing this job, and I'm doing it well, but it's not what I want to do. Uh, what I want to do is to, is to be the starting quarterback. And so what I did was I took, I prepared as if I was the starter. I prepared as if I was going to play. And that frustrated some people around me, and it made it really hard on me because every week I would memorize the playbook and memorize the game plan and go through it in my mind and watch practice and actually try to put my body in Joe Montana's body and see what I would do and kind of just – and so I went, I went through a lot of emotional highs and lows after games when I hadn't played. I'd been so keyed up to play. You know, even though I knew I was going to be backing up, I prepared to play all the way through the game. Uh, and so after the game, I had so much energy, I would run sprints after the game <laughs> before the guys went in the locker room, just trying to get the energy out wow. because it was so, so, so frustrating. But, but then the time came, and I can't tell you how prepared I was 
to not waste a down, not waste a moment, and off we went. And I, I think that uh, for me, uh, that was the best you best use of my time. And I, I and then people say, oh, but you didn't do a good job at backup. No, I did the things that backup quarterbacks do. I I talked to Joe. I told him what was going on in the field. I I I worked with the other players trying to make sure that they, you know I was the interface in a lot of ways on the sidelines. I did my job. And I did it well, but it wasn't one that I, I necessarily was uh, wanting to do all the time. Um, you know, again, we have this model, a triple impact competitor, make yourself better, your teammates better, and the game better. And, and you know, you're, you're helping Joe, even though you're competing with him, helping him do better so the team can be better. That's the, we, we call that leadership. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's maturity, too. Yep. Um, and maturity comes over time. And the, the great players... Um, are what I call, uh, you know, kind of, they're not only tremendous athletes physically, they're also uh, emotionally and, and, and personality great athletes. In other words, they know when to compete and they know when they don't have to compete and they know when it's time to kind of turn it down and, and look to others. And it's time, I mean, there's just, I mean, I'm one of my favorite examples is Reggie White, one of the great defensive linemen in the history of the game. He was, no one could block him. He was uh, one of the great players of all time. And every time he'd sack me or hit me or knock me to the ground, he'd immediately turn and say, Hey, Steve, how you doing? You know, let me help you up. And, uh, you know, how's the family? Wow. And, and in the moment. So here he is playing the, the highest level of sports, athletics, 80,000 people watching, millions on TV. He plays hard and you couldn't block him. And the guy was just an in, incredible player. But the second that it was time not to compete, he could transition and become kind of like a, a comrade in arms, you know, and he could see that you're not going to, it's not going to affect my ability to come and sack you again next in 30 seconds, but I can turn it off for those 30 seconds and actually see the difference. Now, a lot of that, that's asking a lot for people. I understand that, but I'm just telling you the ultimate maturity in, in, in dealing as a, as, as a great athlete. That's the example for me is Reggie White. Wow, that's one of the most inspiring stories I've ever heard about honoring the game and honoring your opponent. That's fantastic. Uh, w- one thing you said earlier, um, I wanted to follow up, and you said you're preparing as if you were the starter. That that caused uh, some other people on the team to to have problems. Well, it was with that? frustrating. I think it was frustrating for Joe that look, I'm the starter. Don't don't bug the coach for practice or bug him after the game. You know, it's like it just bugged people. And I understand. Looking back, I understand why. You know, <laughs> just they don't, they don't, just be, be your role. You know what I mean? But I was looking for uh, to move up, yeah. and I didn't want to. But I, uh, but I concentrated. What's my job? Do it well, and then also, what is the job you want to do and prepare for it? And so, I guess, in some ways, um, uh, and that's what I guess I meant is just being more self, uh, being as self aware as I was. <laughs> I could tell that you know it was. It would have been easier just to play the role, and uh, and um, but you know I, I that would have been just accepting the role, and not necessarily what I wanted to be doing. You know, what about the kids who are the starters in on their high school team, for example? Uh, any thoughts about how they should treat the, their backups? Yeah, because I learned full circle as well. Because I recognize, I saw how Joe treated me, and then I was on the other side of that, right? When I was playing, and then there was a new quarterback right behind me. And when I didn't play well, the newspaper would say, Oh, we need to play Elvis Gerback or we need to play, you know, whoever else was around, uh, C Bono. Uh, and so, you know, you have this 
human reaction, that defensive reaction that this guy is attacking me and I'm not going to be attacked and I'm going to fight him back. I'm going to fight him off. And the truth of the matter is the only way you can fight him off is to play good football and stay healthy. Because if you're not healthy, you're not on the field or you're not playing good football, you're under attack. It's the nature of the game. It's not the person. It's not a personal attack. It's not an attack from that person. But it's really an attack on your game. So you have to have the maturity. And that's why even as a professional, a lot of us lack the maturity, the complete maturity to just deal with it that way. It just feels personal and you deal with it that way. And I, I, don't, I think the best, best exa- uh, advice I could give anybody was try to step back and, and, and re- recognize who's the, the, the attack is really self-inflicted. If I play really well and I, and I stay healthy, I, I'm fine. You know, there's someone behind me and I should, if I'm, if I really am as much, you know, as mature as you really want to be, you should be helping that person prepare to play in case you're hurt in case you're not playing well. Now that's a maturity that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't suspect is in, is in athletes, but I just, I, I have many examples of, of great men that I've watched over the years that were capable of that. And that is not something to just revere and think is a good idea, but everyone, even in high school should work to develop the ability to help the people around you, help them get better, even at your own cost, because the truth is it's a competition and you don't want to falsely compete. You don't want to, you don't want to compete without doing the most, uh, uh, out of the competitive world. And so you, you should turn your back up and help him see what he can learn, you know, make sure that he understands what the issues are and, and you should never kind of hold him back. That's just a false way to compete. You know, what strikes me about it is that kind of a maturity, and that I, I haven't heard it talked about that way, but the ultimate maturity that way makes someone a fantastic business person, somebody you'd want on your in your company. Um, oh, it's, it's a higher living. It's a, and then football is just such a great opportunity all the time for daily opportunities to live higher, higher life um, just because the interaction is so intense and, and so incredible and so it's so timely, you know, it's everything happens right there and 50 guys and the pressure and playing every seven days. There's just, if you pay attention, there are tremendous opportunities to grow. Wow. You know, we, we talk about emotional tanks and we know players play better um, when their emotional tanks are full. What did you do when you were starting quarterback to keep your teammates tanks full so they could perform their best? Well, I think you have a set, you know, you, you, you're as a quarterback, you are a little bit of a team psychologist. You're, you, you, the good quarterbacks really understand that to get the most out of everybody, you've got to understand them. You've got to know them individually. I used to joke with Jerry Rice's wife that I knew him better than she did because I was with him all the time under pressure. And I joked about it cause I'm sure she knew him better than I did, but, but I, but I, but I, you know, in the joke was something very serious is that understanding Jerry his history, where he came from, how he was raised, what his dad was like, what his experience was uh, as he got older, what, it, what, what his likes, dislikes, all the things that you learn about people that break down kind of cultural barriers were key to playing great football at the moment when you really need Jerry Rice. And that's probably an example because you're going to get Jerry Rice great either anyway, but there are a lot of other players that emotionally, if they weren't all on, on board, they wouldn't give you everything. And so you have to know each guy and know how to, push them, how to back off. You know, I could yell at certain guys and then I couldn't yell at other guys. 
And that's part of the dynamic of, uh, of trying to play quarterback and being a leader is, uh, you really have to develop a level of either, I don't know how to put it, uh, respect or, or love, or I don't know how you want to put it, but a, a level of, of understanding for, for the, for your teammates. So that in the key moments, that understanding equates to emotional involvement. People get tied in with you and they, they feel good. They feel good that you under, that you know them well, and they'll, they'll, they'll go to battle for you. And, uh, and in the key moments when you don't have that, uh, the human nature is that the people hide and, uh, disappear. And then you really have struggle, struggle. And if they don't respect you, if you're yelling at them at the wrong time, if you're blaming them when it's your responsibility, all those issues are huge when it comes to, um, getting everybody moving in the right direction. Did you take uh, psychology classes in college? I did not. I, you know, I think I, if, I, you, if you're, I, I, if you're I current, it. I, I'm self-taught by 18 years in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, if you ever uh, don't like what you're doing now, I think you you got a career in uh, psychoanalysis. That's fantastic. Well, but that's the truth, though. That's there's no there's no uh, that's the facts on the ground. You know, there's no there's no theory in it. Um, that's that's how things. Look at Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. They have they they are assassins on the field. And to take it how I mean it, it's a it's a metaphor. But they can they dictate the defenses. They mastered everything that's going on in the field, memorized it, and 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 got a degree. But they also are so dynamic that they can turn to each player that they had developed a relationship with, whether it's in the locker room or off season or in the hotel rooms or you know going out with the guys at night or whatever whatever they want to do to see a movie. You know, just they know how to deal with each guy. And they can they get the most out of them. Those guys, those other players playing for Tom Brady and Peyton Manning would do go to extraordinary efforts to protect those guys, to play for them, to perform for them, and do not want to let them down. That's real. That's not like I read it in the book in college. That's the <laughs> that's how it works. Wow, fantastic! You know, when you were with the Forty Nine ers, you played for Bill Walsh, who was very influential with Positive Coaching Alliance as well. Um, and, but I've also heard you talk about that some of your most influential coaches may have been your youth coaches. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, influential in that you're just starting out. Um, clearly if I had Bill Walsh as my, you know, eight year old little league pop Warner coach, that would have been great. You know? So it's not like what Bill was doing or, or Mike Holmgren or Lavelle Edwards or those great coaches, they could have had tremendous uh, impact on my life. It's just the fact that when you're eight or 10 or 12 or 15 years old, the impact is by definition much greater just because you're, you're wide open. You have no, 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 uh, uh, ground rules. And so you're being taught the ground rules. And if you're taught correctly, so these fundamentals, uh, about work ethic and selflessness and, and, uh, team and, you know, just all those things. And you start to, you, what you do is they become a part of you. You don't even know it. They're just inherent qualities now and how you look at things. And so I owe those coaches for teaching those principles uh, because if you get taught, I believe in more selfish way, uh, then I, I just think that, you know, that like anything, like a boat leaving the Harbor headed in a direction, if you just keep going in that direction, you can get really off course, but you could, when you leave the Harbor, it's only a couple of degrees <laughs> different course. And I guess that's my point is that young, when you're a young person, your, your, your course is set, uh, and that course can send you off in a really far off direction. And that's why I'm so grateful for those coaches because they were beelining for, they handed me over 
to some of the great Sid Gilman was my coach. You know, you just, you, if you have any history of football, I was coached by the four or five greatest offensive minds in the history of the game. And I think I was handed there by those guys that taught me in little league and in, in high school. You know, uh, I think if coaches, if youth coaches realize that the kind of power they have to, you know, the term you used before was, uh, to affect the trajectory of a kid's life, um, yeah, they might they might uh, they might approach it differently. Well, that's 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 what you're doing. That's PCA. That's what that's the whole point. Is that the effort, the effect that you can have on a child? Forget about sports. How they look at other human beings. How do they interact? What is the dynamic of a what under pressure? When you get blamed for something, well, how do you react? When you're under when you're when you're responsible, how do you react? Uh, how do we how do we how do you behave? In a, in a team atmosphere with a group of people, that's, that's, that's basic. And if you, don't, if you don't have a good coach to teach those fundamentals, that's why PCA is existing, in my mind, is to give, the, give these coaches the, the, the wherewithal to go do good things. Because I could care less. At some, at some level, I could care less whether at Little League you're winning or losing. If you're learning those concepts, now, I understand getting, you know, competing and winning is the point. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that. I'm just saying way over, over, uh, arching concepts that we're trying to do here is, is raise young men and young women to be great people. And sports does that. That's what sports. And so I hope that that's what young youth coaches are thinking about every day. That, that's exactly what we're, we're trying to get. And you said it is uh, better than anybody could say it, I think. You know, I appreciate being involved just because I, I know the impact and just to your point it's uh, sending ships off in the right uh, the right direction very very important yeah you know let's talk about you as a parent you got four kids um, I think some of them are now playing sports oh yeah um, so I've got uh, just 10 and 8 two boys and my little 5 year old might play some soccer this year um, I have taken a perspective of teaching skills uh, and my idea is if I give them skills in a lot of different sports, uh, then, uh, when it gets to be, you know, 12 and 14, when things get a little bit more serious and they really like it, they have the, the baseline skills to go do it and be successful at it. Um, and I don't really, I'll be honest with you. I don't care at, at, at little league. Uh, my bro, my 10 year old just had a little league, uh, city championship. And, and I, I just, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, it was more about skills and getting guys working together and teaching those concepts. And, uh, um, and so I, I, uh, hope that if they do love a sport going into, you know, 10, you know, four or five years from now, that they'll have the skills to just go and really flourish at it through high school. I, I don't want my kids, I have no desire, uh, to see them have a goal of being professional. You know, I think the goal in my mind is, you know, to have, if you really love a sport, to, the goal should be either to maybe get a scholarship in college or, you know, or just have a nice, you know, be able to play in high school or that's a good goal. That's a worthwhile goal. And I still believe, uh, you know, even when I was younger, I, I kind of said to the professional ranks, look, if they knock on my door, then I'll answer it. But otherwise, I'm just, you know, I've got school to go to and I've got things to accomplish. And so I've tried to instill that to the kids. You know, if you had one piece of advice for sports parents around the country, um, what might it be? Step back and be honest with yourself. Why do you want your child to be successful in sports? And if it has anything to do with you, 
then you're probably headed in the wrong direction. That's a hard one though, because I, you know, you all love your, I will, I will see my boy and I don't know if he'll play football. I don't know if he even likes it. And so there's a part of me that says, Oh, but I got to have someone play football. Well, no, you don't. That's because it's not about you. And so uh, I think that letting your, you know, some kids, you know, you would say, well, Tiger Woods, well, Tiger Woods seemed like his dad drove him, but he seemed like he gobbled it up as well. You know, so there are some kids that just gobble it up. That's fine. Let them lead it. But if you're leading it, um, to me, uh, you, you probably won't get the result that you, that, that, that is best for the child because I, I think kids have to desire it. They can't be forced. Um, and, and I think they get burned out. You know, I had a friend, uh, we used to run together, and we were, we were both coaches, and one time he said to me, you know, it's hard to be driven when you're being driven. I'll remember yeah. that one. That one's perfect. You, you said it in three seconds, and it took me three minutes. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, a darker side. You, you had to battle concussions throughout your career, and it's really become an issue, not, not just at professional football, but at all levels and in a lot of different sports. Um, any advice you can give players, coaches, parents around the issue of concussions? Uh, I'm not an expert. I've had some, but mine were episodic where I rested and got better and I've had zero complications and, and the stories, the horrible stories I'm hearing from kids playing soccer or hockey or football or, you know, let alone professionals and college players. It's just a lot of tough things happening. Even basketball. I had a family call me the other day asking me about this because they knew I had some history and the things that kids are going through or adults are going through with concussions scare me. Um, and so I have to be honest with you. I didn't have anything scary happen to me. I had an episode, I would rest and then I would be better. And that's the best thing you can do is just make sure you give it time to heal. But boy, these things that are happening where you can't remember, you don't know where you are, you have three days later, you're, you're, you're still dizzy. Um, I can't taste, uh, my smell is off. I, you know, um, four weeks later, I'm still struggling to, you know, be able to stand up. I mean, just things that just scare me that if it would have happened to me, it would have changed everything that I did. Cause to me, if you're having those kinds of, of symptoms, that's a very, very serious thing. I'm not a doctor, but just from experience, that would, that would give me tremendous pause about uh, moving forward anytime soon. Uh, and I, I have to tell you, through my concussions, and I probably had four or five of them, that I never had those kind of symptoms. And I would rest afterwards, feel 100%, and I'd go play again. Um, and so I think that within a range, you can have an injury, heal, and then go play. So I don't think you have to be afraid. But my gosh, if you're having these kind of symptoms that are outside the normal, look, I'm a little tired and I'm feeling better every day. Um, and then, you know, when I get 100%, I give it a little, maybe an extra few days or a week to get make sure everything's okay. I haven't had two in a row. Then it, then, then go play. And, and I think doctors can give confidence to people. But uh, my heavens, when you're getting this stuff where you, you have these strange symptoms and so forth, please, uh, just, from, just from listening to these stories, this is a very serious thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've had a really successful and varied career after football. Um, what, what lessons did you learn from sports? I mean, you've talked about some of that throughout this whole conversation, but any particular lessons you learned from sports that helped you make the transition into business, into broadcasting? Um, all of it, really. Yeah, I did talk about a lot of it. Um, I think accountability was the biggest one. I used to, I tell a great story about throwing interceptions and 
and wanting immediately to tell all the mitigating circumstances that led to this horrible thing that I just did because it's not like I meant to do it. Hmm. And it's not like I did it on, you know, I like wanted to ruin the day. But people want to know why. And so you want to explain it. And, and there's this, as the story goes on, I tell them basically, look, I learned through about 60 interceptions that the, what, they, what everyone wants to hear at that moment is that I'm, I'm responsible. I, I did that. I messed it up. And, uh, and it doesn't matter all the circumstances and all the things that happened, the sun in my eye and the ball slipped or you turned the wrong way or you didn't block your guy or just at some level, it's, I had it in my hands and it's now in their hands and it's my responsibility. That's really been useful for me because when you have, there's all kinds of mitigation in your life. Everything that goes wrong, there's, there's mitigate, there's things that happen. Truth, things that really did matter that caused this thing to happen that aren't necessarily in your control, but at some level you're responsible. And I think that helps me in business and, and in marriage with my children every day. I have to be honest with myself. Am I responsible for that? Ultimately, despite all the excuses and all the things that went on. And the answer usually is yes, I am responsible. Okay, if you are responsible in the end, then, then, then fix it. Apologize, make it right, and fix it. And, 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 and then don't do it again. I, I can't tell you, Jim, how many times that experience has had to unfold for me in my life constantly over now almost 50 years. And, uh, and I'm grateful for it because I, I, it fixes things. And so there, everyone has, uh, uh, you know, some sense of open wounds going on in their life, mistakes they've made, things that have gone on. But if you are constantly vigilant about fixing them and, and being ultimately accountable, you know, when I haven't done that, my life is a little bit more miserable. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, uh, this this uh, entire series of podcasts we're doing is uh, about responsible sports, and I think you've just given a, a fantastic example of of uh, you know taking responsibility. What a what a great uh, way to end this, Steve. I want to thank you. Um, you you've been a role model of mine, you know, for for many years, um, and I just really delighted your support of Positive Coaching Alliance and being on our national advisory board, and just the the great example you set for athletes, coaches, parents, and everybody involved with sports. So thank you so much. Oh, well, a pleasure. It's all uh, not intended. I, I really try to fix myself mostly, Jim. <laughs> that, that goes back to being a psychologist again. I think you've got some uh, some potential here. <laughs> uh, sports does that. Hey, you know what? You have you have 50, 22 guys in the field, and you have a limited amount of control, and you're the one that's going to be on the front page. You start to focus on this kind of stuff. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, Steve. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Okay, you bet. Take, Take care, care now. Right, to learn more about responsible sports, including downloading valuable tools on how to help your athletes bounce back from mistakes, visit responsiblesports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.